0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Money Mitch Effect. I am your host, Mitch Michaels, and I am delighted you can hear it in my voice. So excited to talk sports during this month of May, the best time of year. We've got Stanley Cup playoffs with Craig Swanson coming on the back end of the show. First couple games, first game of each series has been played. We break all of it down. Toronto looking good. Kings pull the upset. Rangers, Penguins, and a triple overtime classic. We break all that down. But first up, it's Matt Wittenberg, NFL Draft Recap. Witt, my man, was at the NFL Draft in Vegas, and we talk about the surprising picks, the predictable picks, the trades, all that and more. It's Craig Swanson and Matt Wittenberg on today's episode of The Money Mitch Effect. Let's start the show. All right, now joining us on The Money Mitch Effect, friend of the show coming back, Matt Wittenberg who was actually at what we're gonna talk about next here, the NFL draft. Uh Whit, thanks for joining the show. And uh I guess gotta, gotta set the record straight. I didn't actually send you as a correspondent, but glad you actually were able to make it.
1: <laughs> yeah, I appreciate it. I I took that one on uh pro bono because always been a dream to uh make it out to the draft and lucked out with uh some days off from work lining up well and obviously being out in uh Southern California, being a quick forty-five-minute flight away, couldn't afford to pass it up. But it was a great experience. I mean, uh, Vegas knows how to host an event—that's for sure. And uh, I, obviously, I don't have any other draft to compare it to that I've been to. But I'd say this one uh, knocked it pretty well out of the park.
0: It certainly did. I think I think uh, everybody was was pretty happy with uh, how how it went down. Vegas could have the draft every year. I don't think anybody would complain. Uh, and and very very glad that you were able to go to, of all drafts, the Vegas draft. Uh, That said, going into it, I think we were all, and I previewed it with Kent Brown last week, and we were just talking about the fact that, you know, this draft was more of a, uh, you know, not exactly as top-heavy as it was in the past. And you could say it was a lot because of that premier position quarterback and not really knowing who number one was going to be. There was definitely a lot of intrigue, and there was throughout the draft and outside of the picks and the trades. But, there was a sense of, at least I thought would, going into the draft of kind of mystery with this class. These weren't the biggest names. A lot of the big names in college football are going back for another year. We weren't sure at the top. We don't we didn't know about the quarterback. Did you get that same sense of kind of intrigue and mystery with this class?
1: Yeah, I definitely agree with that. It seems like this draft is more for sort of like the hardcore fans and like the like fans that really get up for the NFL Like. From a casual perspective, probably not too much sizzle at the top. Like you said, there wasn't the consensus number one quarterbacks. There wasn't any, like a star running back for people to go get behind. And then, as you alluded to, the number one pick wasn't even really settled until uh, last night. So, yeah, it was uh, definitely intriguing, especially for us being the big football fans that we are. So I definitely didn't see five straight uh, defensive players going off from the top. Uh, especially in today's NFL, being more geared
0: towards the offense. Yeah, yeah, and it started with Trayvon Walker, who was starting to turn some heads uh, and get that buzz of number one overall pick probably about a week or two before. And he was, he's a great player, he's a specimen. Uh, he was on a loaded defense that had four All Americans, he wasn't one of them. So I'm not entirely shocked given that, you know, the class itself that he passed Aiden Hutchinson, who gets to stay in the state of Michigan getting drafted by the lions, but it was a late moving, you know, number one pick kind of overtaking him, which a lot of years we can kind of just write that down in pen at the end of the season, or at least at the end of the combine, Drayvon Walker becoming number one, added that intrigue as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. At Aiden Hutchinson sort of had been the guy that was more or less penciled into that number one spot and uh, had the, big-time production in college this past season, which Trayvon Walker didn't with only having six career sacks in his uh, college years at Georgia. So it was definitely interesting and not something that I had anticipated. I thought that Hutchinson was definitely the most like pro-ready pro guy. You can argue that Walker is more of the, like you said, the traits and the upside guy. Mm-hmm. So the Jags kind of rolling the dice on that uh, projection.
0: Yeah, the Jags rolling the dice was what kind of – Didn't shock me, but mildly surprised given all that they've been through as a franchise not going with the safe pick, but I'm also saying this is someone that, you know, looking at it non-biasedly, of course, like I don't know that Hutchinson was in the category of the Boses or Chase Young or, you know, insert elite edge rusher, Miles Garrett or whatnot, so um, maybe just take uh, who you think is the highest upside guy, and it was Trayvon Walker, but Walker Hutchinson... Not really surprises that they won two maybe in a different order, but the big surprise was Derek Stingley, number three to the Texans. And I'll be, I was on the record last week. I like Stingley. I'm buying him as an elite-level pro. Even I was pretty stunned that Houston went for him at number, at number three overall given the last couple seasons, how they've played out. But they were, they were sold wit on that freshman tape. And, and I know cornerback where if you're great, they don't throw at you and you know the numbers might not be there. But this was a stunner at number three.
1: Yeah, it sort of uh, mirrors what happened at one and two where you have the guy in Sauce Gardner who had the production throughout his uh, college years and was viewed at outside looking in as like the number one corner going into the draft, whereas Stingley was more of like the freak guy, especially that all of his like cachet is with that freshman year tape, which is, I mean, some of the best freshman i mean cornerback tape that you can see in in college especially playing in the sec and he just sort of had to deal with all of those nagging injuries the last two seasons so yeah the uh, texans are definitely banking on him returning to that form and lovey smith is sort of geared towards the defensive side of the ball so i'm sure he knew what he wanted in a the, in the top corner and texans need help across the board so if if there's Good with just feel, filling out their roster with top end talent, then you got to think that that'll stick eventually.
0: Yeah, the Jets getting Sauce Gardner was a, was a big win for them to be able to land him. He has the prototypical size of a DB. He played great last year. I do think that this is going to be a fun, you know, monitoring which career is better. And the great thing about cornerback wit is they can both be all pros, and I don't think either either team would be upset. So um, Sauce yeah, going exactly. Sauce going forth wasn't surprising. The Giants got Thibodeau, who a couple months ago was in that running for the number one overall pick, and I think we can group them together with five and seven. They go Thibodeau and Evan Neal, offensive tackle for Alabama. Neal was not the first tackle pick, and uh, Equanu went, North Carolina State, to Carolina, the pick in between the Giants' two picks. So looking at it from the New York football Giants, Thibodeau, Neal. Pretty much a home run in their minds pre-draft, Now post-draft, and now we'll see what happens as they play, but they addressed two huge needs, an edge rusher and a tackle, so I think the Giants came into this draft and got exactly what they were looking for.
1: Oh, I agree. I, I love what they did. Uh, I didn't really buy into all the talk pre-draft about Thibodeau slipping because of all of like the off-field stuff and how much does he love football and is his brand the most important thing is just like you just have to watch the guy play and he's I mean got to see a lot of him in the Pac-12 out here so he's he's a mauler and I mean he probably would have been up in that conversation with uh, Hutchinson and uh, Walker if he had a better uh, junior season this past year but he's got all the uh, measurables going for him and make some really big splash plays so yeah I, I was really really glad that they made that pick and didn't let him slip
0: Yeah, they haven't drafted a first-round pass rusher since JPP 12 years ago. So they were overdue. Uh, And then the line situation, I I think Iquan O'Neal, that was the order we all thought, and Carolina didn't fall victim to the quarterback game and reaching there. Their line was pretty bad last year, so uh, not really surprising there. Uh, You did say something, and I will go out of order, but in terms of just watching them play football, that's kind of how I felt as I was watching Kobe Dean slide in this draft. I know Philly eventually got him, but... And I get it the size thing is an issue in the next level, but you know we watched Georgia play, we watched him lead that defense that's that was just the thought that kept coming back to me
1: yeah i mean how how does he follow the way to the third round like I mean there were definitely mock drafts that projected him in the first, but yeah, I guess there was like some medical concerns that came out with him when he I don't think he missed a game in college, so I am not really sure what that was all about about some like off season scans or something, but yeah, he's he's a leader and was the heartbeat of that defense. And I mean, especially in the national championship game against Alabama, I feel like he would made like every big tackle like in the open field that they needed. So that that was definitely a stunner. But hey, uh, Philly's gain in that one.
0: Who do you think, if it was Giants who we mentioned or somebody else, if you were having to go to you know your thought, the 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 big post-draft winner right now that comes up Giants Jets Eagles maybe somebody that just nailed their first round pick Who do you think uh I, yeah
1: I love what the, what the Ravens did uh mm-hmm. I was I, I hate was that the, you said uh, that
0: but I figured you would
1: <laughs> yeah I mean they they killed I feel like they kill it every year but uh my Cardinals give up a first round pick to get Hollywood Brown for all intents and purposes I guess won it out for whatever reason And then they, while they take Kyle Hamilton with their first first round pick, who was far and away the best safety on the board, and then can play all over the field, which is, I guess, maybe one of the reasons that he slipped because he wasn't really locked into one spot. But I think that he's great. I mean, he did it all at Notre Dame. And then they even traded back from the pick the Cardinals got to get uh, Tyler Linderbaum, who was the best, far and away the best center in the draft. So they killed it in the first round. And then letting Ojob, David Ojabo slip to them in the second round, who I was hoping and praying would be there for the Cardinals at 55, but ended up going 10 picks before at 45 to them. So I, I think that they absolutely killed it.
0: Yeah, the safety pick of Hamilton was great, obviously. The the Ed Reed comparisons will be there. We all saw him as a top-10 prospect. That's just not a position of, of high demand and need early when mm-hmm. you're starting that foundation. But, no, he absolutely uh, killed it there. Uh, and, and then, I guess we should talk about it now. There was a lot of trades in this draft. We can start with uh, the Cardinals-Ravens uh, trade. Brown wanted out. He was disgruntled. Uh, in the short term, the Ravens are a little thin at receiver, and, and Lamar has his contract up. But he didn't produce last year. He had a lot of drops. He was was very inconsistent. And if he wanted crazy money and he wanted more of a commitment, I totally see the Ravens moving on and, and flipping it into younger, better talent. It just seems like they do. From your perspective, though, from the Cardinals, now it kind of does make sense with the unfortunate news that DeAndre Hopkins is going to miss six <clears throat> games with the suspension. Now it definitely makes more sense because that seemed like a steep price to pay for somebody who's been inconsistent, although he does know and, and love playing with Kyler Murray. But now it makes sense that they needed this stopgap for six games before the season got away from him.
1: Yeah, definitely. That The news breaking yesterday as we're recording this uh, about the – deandre hopkins suspension definitely puts it in new light i mean i was already pretty i mean i think it's a steep price to pay for a guy who's not necessarily the most consistent but i knew that and i guess the cardinals obviously knew too that one of the top end receivers in this draft wasn't going to fall to them at 23 so make a move for a guy that your quarterback's familiar with that can take the top off of defense that's not really someone that you don't have in the mold anymore with the uh, christian kirk moving on to the jags this last, last off season, so he essentially takes that new role in the offense and then with him being a first round rookie the same year that kyler was drafted so he's under contractual control this year and then the fifth year option for next season so from a cost control standpoint especially with what receivers are getting paid nowadays that makes quite a bit of sense and then yeah the he's going to have to be the guy those at least those first six weeks of the season. So mm-hmm. definitely not, not the uh, most – I wasn't the most excited about it on draft night as we were texting about it, but especially in light of uh, yesterday's news, it definitely makes a lot more sense.
0: I guess I'm just um, always questioning a team trading for an inconsistent or even unproven pro receiver when the depth of the receivers out of college has never been greater. I know there's always a risk with that, but – Hey, if you're desperate, I guess you need to attack something right away. So we'll see. This is his second chance. We'll see if he makes the most of it and earns that Hollywood nickname because I don't think he's earned it just yet. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Uh, More with Matt Wittenberg here on the Money Mitch effect. Uh, I mentioned them as a potential winner. The Jets had three first-round picks. They're feeling pretty good about all three of them. Sauce Gardner was uh, taken at number four overall. They got Garrett Wilson at 10 overall. And then the uh, guy who slipped probably the most in the first round of the draft, remained Johnson the second at 26. So, I mean, I was a little surprised that Atlanta did go with Drake London over Garrett Wilson. I get it. I just, I just thought that Garrett Wilson coming out of Ohio State was as sure of an NFL-ready receiver. And uh, they went in a different direction with Drake London. So, I don't know if you saw it any differently. There was the run of receivers that started there. But uh, ultimately, it, it led to the Jets getting Wilson.
1: Yeah, I feel like I, I mean, I think Jameson Williams was the best of the bunch this year. I probably still would have spent taking him as the first receiver off the board. I mean, it it's definitely a downer with him still dealing with the uh, ACL and you you know that he's not going to be ready for the start of the season, maybe not until November or later, but I just think that his like insane speed and route running is too good to pass up on and as far as the Falcons perspective, yeah, they definitely needed someone on the outside and then I guess you can sort of pair uh, Drake London with Kyle Pitts as sort of like the basketball player type bodies out there for Martin, well this year Marcus Mariota and then maybe eventually Desmond Ritter just find down the field and no more Calvin Ridley there probably so yeah it's a little bit of a transition period especially for them on the offense.
0: Yeah I, I would agree that Jamison Williams Best upside of the class. I think the ACL injury is something to look about. Uh, Olave went as well. 10-11-12, that former Ohio State uh, receiving crew of 2020. Mm-hmm. Uh, pretty remarkable. Insane. Saints getting Olave, too, was good for them. And, and we'll see Jamison Williams. It's a nice situation for Detroit, not willing to rush things themselves, that he can kind of ease into it there. Um, you know, And from there, I mean, we saw some some more things in the draft that we can kind of skim through. I mean, the Eagles got Jordan Davis. They were another team that... I think did very well at Davis. And then the trade with the Titans for AJ Brown, who they offered a hundred million dollar contract. I'll get to the Titans in a second, but from the Eagles perspective, plus Dean in the third round, hard to do better than what they did.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. And a lot of people had penciled in Jordan Davis to be a a Ravens target right there. So they uh, trade up right in front of them, make sure that they get him. I mean, dude was, probably the most dominant player in college football, regardless of position this last season. We we saw plenty of him. He even ran in a touchdown or two uh, on the goal line. So I feel like, especially as far as like getting his feet wet in the NFL, not having to have him be on the field for all three downs, is going to be really good for him moving forward. And then the A.G. Brown trade was huge. We heard the rumors about him wanting out from Tennessee Titans, not wanting to pay him that big contract. And, uh, the Eagles with the luxury of having a guy on a rookie uh, rookie quarterback contract were all for it. They'd struggled a little bit at that spot outside of uh, the Devonta Smith draft pick last year seems to have been a, a solid one. So pairing the two of them um, gives Hurts, I think all of the tools he needs to prove that if whether he's the guy there.
0: Yeah, that's exactly it. He has no more excuses now. This is, he's got a team, he's got a squad. We'll see what Jalen Hurts is made of, but Howie coming through for the Eagles was uh, what they needed. And for the Titans, I mean, look, they have the highest cap hit of any quarterback in the NFL next year with Ryan Tannehill at 34, I think. So uh, say at 34 years of age. So say what you want about that situation. I understand that the receiver contracts are ramping up and they didn't want to pay it. Now, we can, you know, people can disagree over whether or not they should have. But if you are going to move on from a star receiver, trade him to a team, get a first round pick and take somebody that could maybe be like that for a lot less money. I understand the, Mm -hmm. uh, the rebuild, but I, I also get the point of view, the perspective that, Hey, we're not happy that we're getting rid of our best players, but I think they might just be looking from within. Like it's not going to be worth it. Tannehill and and they did draft Malik Willis later, but I don't know that he's the answer long term. So they might just kind of be regrouping here, not essentially a rebuild.
1: Yeah. And, it was funny watching the uh, draft coverage on the for the first round night that uh, Daniel Jeremiah compared uh Traylon Burks to AJ Brown. So the Titans have the type that they look for at wide receiver, which is funny to see. And Burks made a really a ton of really cool splash plays at Arkansas this last year and even lined up some in the backfield and catching the ball of the backfield. So I don't think I don't think he's necessarily gonna be the like Debo two guy that some people are uh, projecting for him But it's a uh, I, guess, I guess About as good of a move You can make When you're swapping out One guy for a rookie That you're not really um, Sure what he's going to project to
0: Well the pick after uh, That was the Saints Took the lineman uh, Penning from Northern Iowa And then at pick 20 The Steelers with the only quarterback In the first round Kenny Pickett So it was a bit of a smokescreen With Malik Willis They go with the local kid Who played his college games At their stadium Pickett being the choice and being the only choice in the first round. Should we be stunned by that?
1: Uh, I think so. Just because uh, like quarterbacks always seem to get overdrafted. I mean, there was the years what that EJ Manuel was in the first round and Christian Ponder and Jake Walker. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. So I was definitely surprised at least two didn't go. I wasn't surprised that Pickett was the guy though, especially with them having the front row seat to all of his college games and Pitt shares their their football facility. Share is in the same building as um as the Steelers, so they've literally seen this guy do everything. So I feel like he's far and away got the lowest floor or the highest floor out of any of these guys. Maybe not the most upside, but I feel like if nothing else, he'll be steady moving forward.
0: I thought it was pretty funny that uh, and I and and I did like all the ESPN and NFL Network draft coverage, but the second Kenny Pickett got chosen uh also pit alum uh, lewis riddick just goes into defending the hand size argument
2: right away with the football <laughs> right.
0: it was kind of reminding me of uh charlie's lawyer uncle and always sunny it was like his hands are <laughs> plenty big look at these but now i mean this class was not graded out as high and i think part of that is there's a good class coming in next year but i understand mm-hmm. it i mean they're we see teams reach for quarterbacks every year, and the fact that one didn't go till twenty should speak volumes about how the scouting department saw it. Now, Pickett and Willis could eventually pan out. I don't think Pickett's going to be taking the field in the first half of the season. I think the Steelers are going to be more methodical with it, and I also just don't know that they're ready to throw him out there. But um, this is this is not normal—a uh, quarterback that a first quarterback at twenty, and that being it, so uh, stunning to say the least.
1: Yeah, and then not another one until, what, the third round. So I feel like we're not going to see anything like this for, I don't know, maybe another decade or so. It's just such an anomaly, especially with how college offenses work nowadays.
0: Yeah, it's pretty wild, man. Uh, Moving on, I just wanted to talk about some other draft notes in the first round before we get to some other value picks and storylines. The Packers did not take a receiver in the first round. They took one early second round from North Dakota State, but – they uh, made history of their own, taking two Georgia teammates. First time that's ever happened in the first round. So, Green Bay beefing up on the back end with Quay Walker. That was a Kent call. Shout out to him. And then Devontae Wyatt at twenty-eight, the D tackle. So, their defense I think is going to be pretty good if they uh, just do the steady, steady strategy of adding Bulldogs.
1: Yeah, I mean, hey, look at how dominant that team was
0: all season, and yeah. national champs to boot. So.
1: If you're going to gamble on any teams like position grouping, that's a good one to go with.
0: Yeah. Also, uh, the uh, Patriots providing some uh, shocking uh, moments themselves in this draft, taking Cole Strange from Chattanooga, a lineman that was not on, any, not on many, if anybody's, first-round grades. We also had that cool reaction of a sauced-up Sean McVay uh, being stunned watching that happen, too.
1: That was incredible. Yeah, the Rams are just uh, uh, kicking back. They got the rings on their fingers this off season, so <laughs> less need. And Sean McVay, obviously, they're not gonna be picking in the first round for a while. So I thought that was great, good like real human moment there.
0: Yeah, I feel like um, I I do feel like the Patriots get more leeway with going off the board with O line. Logan Mankins was the pick that kept coming up that they nailed mm-hmm. when people weren't, but you know, receiver not so much. They have whiffed on some some wide receiver DB picks, but. They'll give, the, they'll give Bill the benefit for uh, a guard or a tackle.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's just a great name, though, to Cole Strange. And then from Chattanooga, uh, our mutual friend, Sean Sullivan's hometown. So joining T.O. as a fellow mock in the NFL.
0: Yeah, certainly will. And then, you know, of course, i got to give a shout-out to football. Finally has their version of a Greek freak in George Karlo- Karloftis. Uh, the Purdue DN that's going to the Chiefs at 30th overall. Grew up in Athens, uh, Greece, and came over here, you know, tearing it up. And uh, he's staying in the Midwest.
1: Yeah, that's that was another really good pick in the first round for the Chiefs to get him that late. And then um, getting Trent McDuffie, the, probably the third best corner in the draft out of Washington. So, yeah, I, I, they're another one, the team that I like what they did a lot.
0: More with Matt Wittenberg here as we wrap up the uh, NFL Draft 2022. uh, Into the second and third round and uh, beyond, who did you think did well and and made some great value picks? That's when we started to see the running backs come off the boards. There were still a lot of receivers. The quarterbacks started flying. Who do you think stood out in the later rounds? Uh,
1: I like the Jets trading up for Brees Hall. That was one that stood out to me. He was head and shoulders the best running back in the draft. And then the reports came out that they were even looking to trade back into the first round to have a fourth first round pick to uh, make sure that they got him. But I think he's going to be a really good compliment to uh, Zach Wilson there. Mark, Michael Carter had an okay stretch last season, but I don't think he's anything to really write home about. Um, I touched on the Ojabo pick for the, for the Ravens in the second round. I think that they, they, don't need to rush him back at all, let him heal from that Achilles injury and he'll be a stable on their uh, pass rush. And another like sort of under the radar one, a guy that I another guy that I wanted to slip was uh Boy Mafe, mm. that the uh, pass rusher out of Minnesota that the Seahawks ended up taking at uh forty. I think he's gonna end up being really good. Mm. I think that Trey Trey McBride, the Cardinals first pick that that they ended up in making in the second round was uh I mean he was far and away the best tight end in the draft and um, won the Mackey award. But with, uh, like I said earlier, with uh, DeAndre Hopkins being out six games, the kid's going to have to see the field a little earlier and maybe get more uh, two tight end sets with him and Zach Ertz out there.
0: Yeah, that's a good call, especially. Um, And then the other one was, we mentioned running backs. It's funny to see the Seahawks go running back yet again with Kenneth Kenneth Walker. Walker. Uh, Buffalo Bills go with James Cook, Dalvin's little brother, and I think that he was running for the national champion, no surprise, Georgia Bulldogs. Uh, but that could be, you know, they were they were rumored to be addressing the running back position, and I just thought that something like this would happen where they would wait till second, third round, not have to do it in the first round. So they made out pretty good uh, as well. And I should also point out, too, you know, my Cleveland Browns, who didn't have any early picks, su- super weird. Talk to about Cade York? Yeah, Cade York was, well, I was going to start with, the they go corner at 68, Emerson for Mississippi State, which, you know, you got to add some depth there. I think that's the way the NFL is going, where you just need to have bodies on the back end. Uh, But, yeah, it all comes down. And I did like David Bell, uh, the Purdue wide receiver, who I think uh, was a standout for them. I think he can be somebody that can contribute right away. But, yeah, of course we go to Cade York, which is funny. Fourth round pick, (laughs) 124th overall. Mm -hmm. Love it. We released both the other kickers the second that he got into the building, and uh, I'll just say that the first time he misses a kick, though that crowd on the Lake Erie is going to turn on him. But <laughs> hey, good luck, Cade. I'm rooting for you.
1: <laughs> yep. Hey, coming with that uh, high draft pedigree too, fourth round, not not like a throwaway pick. So, oh, I also wanted to give a special shout out to my boy ASU Sun Devil uh, Rashad White getting picked up by the Bucks. So. Yeah. Tom Brady had uh, James White with the Pats. Now he's got uh, Rashad White with the the Bucks. So yeah, he, looking he's for really some does. big things from him. He's a, he's a great pass-catching back, too. So I think he'll, he could be a sneaky, under-the-radar like fantasy-type guy this year.
0: Hey, no Arizona Wildcat taken, obviously, for obvious reasons. That made but me happy. No Texas Longhorns, either. That seems stunning.
1: Yeah, wow. <laughs> when you look at how many drafts there's. There was 262 picks in the draft this year, not one from the University of Texas. It's
0: crazy, crazy. Well, before we wrap up on football, anything else that we're looking at, I guess, trade-wise, we're not really seeing – we're still seeing Baker Mayfield on the Browns. We're still seeing Debo on the Niners, despite what Odell Beckham says. Uh, There really hasn't been much else going on right now. Uh, But those are two big dominoes. We could see some more. You think we'll have any traction on that soon?
1: Uh, no, I don't think so. And Jimmy G as well, still, uh, staying put in San Francisco. I feel like it's probably going to take a, by training camp injury or something like drastic to happen for anything to really happen on those fronts. So seems like everyone's going to be standing pat for the foreseeable future until we get uh later into the summer.
0: Yeah. I think the Baker thing, unfortunately is going to drag out. There's not a lot of jobs for him and team's understandably so don't want to pay his full contract. So his full salary. Mm-hmm. So that could be a game of chicken that uh, lasts well into summer, if not beyond see what happens with injuries there. And the Debo, of course you mentioned, uh, with, this is fun. Before I let you go, uh, give us your baseball update, how the Dodgers are doing, what your thoughts are as we have uh, reached the 20 game threshold of the season.
1: Uh, a little inconsistent, uh, offense doesn't click as much as I would like so far, but Hey, It's uh, well, I guess it's May now. I was just gonna say it's April, but it's it's early May. Uh, Not too worried for the long term. Been super thrilled with everything that Freddie Freeman's done so far. He's been uh, the same steady guy that he's been his whole career. So he's been really, really needed a left-handed bat with uh, Corey Seager moving on to the Rangers. So oh, and the Cody Cody Bellinger Renaissance sort of Mm. going on this year. So yeah, been a pleasant. Pleasantly surprised by that, and I feel like it's going to be a, a dogfight with the Giants probably most of the season.
0: Yeah, Padres are up there too, about what we expected. Fast starts for both baseball squads in New York. The Mets and the Yankees doing really well, and uh, the Angels at first place in the ALs. We know it's super early, but you can't. You can definitely. You can, you can definitely lose the season early. I don't think you can, You can't really accomplish much early, but you can definitely. I mean, you could do what the Cincinnati Reds are doing and just forget the season started.
1: (laughs) I feel like they can start already booking out reservations for October and
0: beyond. Yeah, they're already doing Cancun countdowns in uh, in their dugout. Just a very sad start there. You know, it's funny. Everybody else is pretty even. And the next worst team right now is like the Royals and Tigers, but they're still, you know within six games of a bad division so yeah it'll be interesting to see uh, how it shapes out uh but no this was this was fun always a pleasure recapping the draft with you and i know you'll have eyes on uh this saturday night we know we like ufc as well big card saturday or this yeah. month is my favorite month in all sports i think with you know you're coming off of the draft you've got nba nhl playoffs baseball's going we got the kentucky derby saturday ufc and boxing it just doesn't really get much better
1: yeah, great, great time to be a sports fan. That's for sure. Uh, cool to see a card back in a UFC card back in Phoenix. So that's always neat. And yeah. then with the the Phoenix Suns looking so good, so it's all the time for an, for an Arizona sports fan.
0: Yeah, other could... than
1: DeAndre Hopkins getting suspended, but yeah. uh, uh, you know, we, we we move onward and upward.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I know. And I know it's we can't have everything, obviously. But uh, what you <laughs> might have this Saturday is card in Phoenix and a local Arizona guy, Justin Gaethje win the belt. So if he yeah, does that, Yeah,
1: yeah. Gonna be a tough one to there, but
0: Yeah, those guys don't fight in anything boring. So I think it'll be a, a bloodbath and a very good one. Matt Wittenberg, pleasure uh, pleasure uh, as always. Doug
1: Rose is gonna bring it home <laughs> as well for oh. just to get my quick prediction on that one.
0: Of course. I think we got Ferguson and uh Chandler too, so talk about yeah. just I feel like this could be the end Solid for Tony car. Ferguson though. You know, it's been trending downward and uh, it is a solid card. But uh, Matt Wittenberg, pleasure as always chatting with you. Uh, This was fun. Thanks for coming on the Money Mitch Effect and talking NFL draft.
1: Yes, sir. Thanks for having me.
0: Huge thanks to Matt Wittenberg for appearing on this episode of the Money Mitch Effect. Always a blast talking football with wit and uh, monitoring his Dodgers season as well. Now we're going to talk hockey, Stanley Cup playoffs. Craig Swanson on the show. Game one in the book for every series. And we have a lot to break down and digest because it's the Cup, the road to the Stanley Cup. Here's some hockey talk now with Craig Swanson. All right, now on the Money Mitch Effect 2022 Stanley Cup playoffs here. Craig Swanson. Swanee, thanks for joining. Best time of year. First of all, have you done the Gordle today?
2: Oh, no, I have not done the hurdle. We'll
0: have to see how that goes. I can't think of anything better than just out of the gates first couple nights of action, just triple overtime.
2: Triple overtime. Unless you lose, of course. And there's fans in the stands.
0: (laughs) That game last night was wild Uh, as we do this. this Just the first game of each series has started. Uh, A lot to digest early. Starting with that Rangers-Pittsburgh series. Pittsburgh gets a road win. First time a goalie has come in in any playoff game, second overtime or later, which is funny. He said he was eating spicy pork and broccoli in between intermissions. And he
2: thought it was a joke that they told him to go in. They, <laughs> it was
0: cramping, right? That's what I happened. to that's this, what they uh, said, cramping. Yeah,
2: but, so, but the Rangers goal, was it? Did I hear it right? 72 saves?
0: Yeah, can. <laughs> like, the, the, yeah, the Penguins had over 75 shots in the yes, game. That's crazy. A uh, lot, lot in that one. The first thing is, I mean, Crosby still plays at a high level, feeds Gensel. I was watching that game, and I thought, okay, Jake Gensel obviously plays with Sidney Crosby. It's like the McDavid effect, but he plays the game well on the perimeter. He flies his own as good as anyone. Like, there's a timing and a finesse to it. It just seems like he's in lockstep with whoever he's with. That said, the Rangers let a golden opportunity slip away, and we got another goaltender interference debate.
2: Yes, and
0: which I don't—I mean, the criteria of they're saying like he got pushed a little bit, but then they say you have to make a conscious effort to get out of the way. <laughs> that's that gray area that's always going to exist.
2: A gray area. And- Who's making a conscious effort to get out of the way? Nobody wants to do that. They want to get in the way. Yeah, and they're so good. It's uh,
0: they know what they're doing. Yeah, like uh-huh. it's you know they know that they can make contact there. Um, but no, it was a tough break. I mean, it was a great play, Capo and made. I think the Rangers. I still kind of like them to win this series, even though they lost that big game one at home. I don't think the Penguins were that physical or that mm-hmm. big of a team. Reeves was out there just pancaking dudes on the ice, yeah. and I just think if if they settle in. If they shore up some things, they'll be fine. But you know, a couple upset, couple road wins, uh, game one, including the LA Kings.
2: LA Kings, they can hang with the the Edmonton Oilers, and Edmonton's got to win some playoffs. This series would be, this here. would be bad. Yeah, this
0: would not be good. Um, aside from the fact that the Kings are outclassed, don't have Dowdy, you know, they have playoff Jonathan Quick. He's back, yes. looking locked that in. That could be the difference and like, they have speed and they, they do just, I mean the young line the kid line did it I mean I follow uh, Smith but Deneau was the hero of the game to me because you dive into the weeds of like the real hockey people his job is to kind of stifle McDavid dry the other teams forwards and you know they had like one shot or something when he was on the ice
2: that's a teekan of the Los Angeles Kings <laughs>
0: we having some friend talk there <laughs> Yeah, I mean that was that was insane, and I think the biggest problem with uh, what the Oilers have, obviously Mike Smith, horrible turnover. It's yeah. always the goalies that play the puck the best that get too cocky yeah. and then turn the puck over. But you saw it again; their transition D was terrible in a lot of areas in this game, and they, they were they were all too aggressive. I, I still think they should be okay, but you know, you lose game one at home, it just puts the complete Use pressure game on.
2: One, it. it could be a tight game. Game two, and if Jonathan Quick comes up big, we get a lucky goal, and bam, it's two games to none going to L.A. It's the
0: house money game. Pittsburgh's in this position. Now the Capitals, which we'll get to in a second, if the road team wins game one, game two becomes desperate times because they've already got their steal. And, uh, you know, I just think that with what the Kings were able to do in that game, a big road win, big road environment, they weathered the McDavid storm, one of the nicest goals. I mean, he just does that regularly. But you gotta live with that. I mean that's a crazy thing. You gotta live with he's gonna make some great Nick plays. Like
2: David should just be Nick David should just train every other NHL player on earth and you could you imagine the games with those kind of mm. games with, with a bunch of him out there. It's I wondered
0: good. in like a men's league, like if he was playing in like a good men's league. How many goals he could actually have, but he if, play, yeah, he
2: could play in the best men's league. He's still yeah. going to have.
0: I mean, like rolling lines, not double shifting him. Like yeah, with <laughs> with men's league players, not NHL players. He's I know. Still up, I know, you know.
2: Kane played in the men's league and had ten goals. So
0: Patrick. That's it, the it, thing it, is, yeah. I saw Pat. I played in a skate once with her. I wasn't playing. I was on the ice, ready to go out, and Patrick Maroon was in the game before. And he's not even that fast in the NHL, but he was scoring He was just wheeling through yeah, guys. And I, he's mean, kinda,
2: I, I played with Marty McSorley, McSorley one time, and he was amazing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you not, know, you think he's a goon in the NHL. He is a goon, but, yeah. man, what skill that guy has for normal people.
0: My friends uh, were in a skate back in St. Louis, and Cam Jansen showed up. And they're like, why do you come to this? He's like, I just want to actually have the puck on my stick for a change. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the Kings win that game, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a rocking atmosphere Friday night now that it's 1-1, not down 2 or it could be 2 kings yeah. but you know that that's big for them um you know the other storylines that we've started to see i mean it is completely wide open i think the capitals proved that beating the the panthers yeah, they're panthers the have seed.
2: To, this is playoff hockey you know
0: i thought that yeah it is playoff hockey i see why you know for people that don't watch the panthers and i didn't watch every single game but they play like a very glorified skill men's league and i mean that in a nice way yeah. A lot of passing, a lot of quick-ups. They play on the perimeter, which isn't very common. But they leave themselves open. And they got Bobrovsky, who I've loved in his time in Columbus, Uh but he has some bad playoff performances on his record. They were up 2-1 going into the third, and the difference in that game was Alex Ovechkin making a hustle play, poking the puck away on defense. Kuznetsov scores. Then Backstrom was like a greatest hits game. Backstrom just with an absolute apple to Oshie for the Uh game-winning goal. But... If you saw the end of that game, John Carlson injured, took a hit that was borderline. I think it was okay, but a little from uh, Sam Bennett, and yeah. he did not look good coming off the ice. And that is a loss that I just don't know if they can deal with.
2: Uh-huh. And uh, Florida, they too, going into the third, when leading two to one, you have to shut the other team down. I yeah, mean, teams go the whole season not losing. When they have the lead going to the third period, yeah, they
0: were they were thirty nine zero and one, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: So they have to shut them down. But the playoffs is a different animal.
0: I mean, it is, and that's where I, you know, I have a couple of Ranger fans that were borderline cocky with how they were handling the Penguins in the regular season, and I was like, oh be careful, especially yeah. that team. Yeah, and the Penguins know.
2: are coming to the end here. I mean, I don't know after this season,
0: <clears throat> Crosby's got some legs still. Oh, Gino scored the game winning goal, but Malkin, but he's not what he. Yeah, it's they got the longest streets like sixteen years or something, fifteen years yeah. of making the playoffs. So you know it's uh, it's not going to last forever. Washington's on their last legs, but all you got to do is get in, you have a chance. Yeah. Um, I mentioned the the regular season doesn't really tell the whole story when they play, but maybe it does in Boston, Carolina, because it's you know twenty-one-two goal differential regular season and then game one, uh-huh. and that was your that was the first playoff game of the year, and it was typical for as much hockey as you've seen, I'm sure. First seven minutes, all Bruins, but they couldn't score. Yeah, and that's what they Carolina say. weathered the weathered storm. The storm. <laughs> and then it was, you know, missed a, you know, some some shaky some shaky save opportunities, um, and then obviously Carolina goes from there. Carolina Swanee is a team that doesn't necessarily have that superstar, so some people are saying, ah, maybe not good enough. But they've got four lines. You can tell that Rod the Bod Brendamore is just <laughs> maniacal. It's like a drill sergeant, but they all play for him. Yeah, so.
2: and you know hockey in the playoffs is hustle hustle hockey if you play good defense and you hustle that's the equalizer neutralizing the superstars on the other team i mean
0: yeah it's look it's rare to win a championship without a quote-unquote superstar but it can't happen uh-huh. kings i mean was kopitar I mean, really a superstar I mean, he was a star i wouldn't king, say superstar king's
2: had dwight king yeah and i mean that's yeah. and the king's teams now that's not the dwight uh, dwight king teams yeah old where just slow banging the body dump it in and
0: no, Carolina's it's depth is big. Sebastian Aho, Troy is great. Vine. like they're deep. And this time of year, it's a war of attrition. Mm-hmm. So maybe your best chance is to play a team like that early, before you've kind of worn down. Remember the year the Blues won the Cup? San Jose just got completely worn down. By the yeah. time they got to the Blues, they had some more injuries, yeah. and it was you know.
2: And that's why I think Colorado is going to cruise to the finals at least because I think they're going to have All I right. think they're going to have a little better better time at it i want i have have a a point
0: on i have a point on colorado i want to make i mean they won five nothing yesterday it was or this six to one i think was the final but it was five nothing in the first period you know three goals in the first three minutes dream first round matchup i know nashville but but nashville is limping in to say the least Mm -hmm. soros out do do not match up well sweep is what it looks Uh like i mean maybe you can see a one with the home crowd in nashville one of those games but I think Colorado will get tested in round two by St. Louis, Minnesota. I had the Blues winning slightly there. But it is looking like this is the year for them to make a deep, deep run. Yes. You know, McKinnon is... How is McKinnon still underrated? It's insane.
2: Did you see that stat about playoff points? Yeah. I mean, he's up there with... I think he's behind Gretzky and Lemieux with playoff points average in in the playoffs. But those guys won... They did. Cups, you know? They did.
0: and But the difference is, and I've always said this with hockey versus, like, basketball. One guy can't control. You've yeah. with McDavid, too. That said, I mean, they're they're primed for it this year. They get the goaltending. They got the top home ice throughout. Last year, they had Vegas 2-0, and they lost four straight. Yeah. So, we'll see what happens. Uh, Craig Swanson here on the Money Mitch Effect talking playoff hockey. Uh, got to talk about the Maple Leafs. Just dismantling Tampa in Game 1. It is one game. And I agree with Cooper. I don't think he was taking a shot at Toronto. He said they didn't have to play well to beat us tonight. Because <laughs> they were terrible.
2: Yeah. And, you know, Tampa Bay, two straight Stanley Cups. But now they have fans on the ice, you know, in the in the stands watching. And didn't they get swept by Columbus, though? They did. A th- th- few years back? It now? was and before they went on their two, yeah, two-peat, the, yeah. Uh-huh. And now it's like, I don't know. I could see them, you know, Toronto... The fans especially want it, but their team wants it. They're so bad.
0: Big thing. I think they've lost six straight. Well, Kyle Clifford. Kyle, yeah, they haven't been out of the first round forever. Kyle Clifford, former LA King, five minutes in the game gets kicked out, suspended. They kill that penalty, and Tampa's power play was atrocious, like Boston Bruins level bad. (laughs) But that was huge. Mitch Marner hasn't scored a playoff game in goal in forever. He has a nice one, completely undresses Vasilevsky, who I didn't think played that bad. He didn't get much help in this game either. You know, there was a lot of breakaways and turnovers. It is one game. You write it off. Kucherov is up to his rat ways. He gets the puck taken from him on a two-on-one, cross checks someone when they're down, (laughs) you know. I think that this is a long series, but the fact that Toronto gets off to such a great start Mm -hmm. bodes well for them. It's there for the taking. Like, Florida's not invincible. Like, the East is wide open. Yes. Toronto has the skill. Matthews had, like, 60 goals in 74 games, I think. Okay. He's had another one there. I mean, this this could be the, the Toronto year.
2: Yeah, and we'll see the next game. It'll be, I think, a tight game.
0: Yeah, that's you usually know. how it adjusts.
2: Yeah, tight game in Toronto or uh, Tampa Bay has been here. You know, yeah. they know what they got to do. So, it yeah. could be 0-2 going
0: back yeah. to your home. Well, well the, other, the other two series out west, Calgary beat Dallas one nothing in, in a very physical. There was a fight. Two guys kicked out in the first period. A very physical game and a Daryl Sutter special. I know their first line with Lindholm and uh, Goudreau and Kachuk all had 40 goals. Great yeah. offense. They won 1-0. nothing. Yeah. Dallas
2: did Kachuk score it last? Was he the goal last no, night? No, it was Lindholm last night. Mm-hmm.
0: I think he got, an, he got an assist, though. But... I say Daryl Sutter special. It's one nothing going into the third. Finishes one nothing. Yeah. The Stars had three shots on goal in the third period. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, that's like, great. That's and Sutter. Like yeah. that's it. You've seen it here. <laughs> it works. I think uh, I think Dallas has a chance though because they've done well in these type of games. But Calgary, it's they're they're peaking. They're the team that's going to stand. I know it's the top point getter too but they're a team that could absolutely win the West and go all the way mm-hmm. with what they've built. And uh, you,
2: you stop the first line of Dallas, and you know you have a good chance.
0: I'm still holding out hope that I, – because I think the last series to talk about Blues Wild, that might be end up being the best one. And the Blues handled them in game one with uh, the old school, you know, David Perron going nuts. Uh-huh. But first four minutes was insane. Fights, scrums, great saves. There was a penalty shot in there. You know, I think it's going to be a good series. The Wild finished strong, but the Blues owned them in the regular season. But every game up until this one was close. So,
2: yeah, the Blues – you know, that's, by the way, the way playoff hockey should be. Mm-hmm. Fights, scrums, and penalty shots all within the first 10 well, minutes.
0: Both these teams, and you could say that about at least half, if not more, of the teams in the playoffs. Not sure who the net is going to be throughout. Uh-huh. But Blues, Wild, each have interesting choices. They started Flurry Game 1 in Minnesota. I don't think it was necessarily his fault, but Talbot had played well, uh-huh. so he could go. They went uh, Huso over uh, Biddington, who won them a cup. The Blues did. Uh-huh. He's played well, so... They've each got aces in the hole to see, but as you know, Peter DeBoer in Vegas, no, it's not always the easiest choice. To, yeah, to play that goalie game,
2: it isn't. And then Fleury was coming in. I think it was nine and two or something coming in. Yeah. Like, so he's been playing well. You yeah, know? so yeah,
0: it's gonna be tough. Well, if we if we kind of wrap it up this way, what series do you think is gonna be super quick? Which one or two? And then which ones I, you think could go all the way? We touched seven. on a Colorado. I think is going to yeah. be the, the okay. We, we need another one though because that's like I mean, that's okay. part of the given. <laughs> that's not fair. Yeah, everybody has that one. Um, you know what?
2: I don't know. I could I could actually see Washington maybe like
0: that could go long. Yeah, I'm with that, you. Yeah, because I think Florida is going to win, but I'll say seven. Like, <laughs> let's do it.
2: Yeah, I mean that's going to be. I mean Washington has a playoff built team. But florida the best team in the league
0: you know you they're not going gonna... you think ovi's scared of anything no, no. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: yeah um that's a good one no that's a good one i think that could be a sneaky long yeah. one i would say another quick one that i would go with it's tough to yeah i know right it's like tough to make this a, i could see carolina handling boston i think boston i don't want to say it's like I don't want to say it's fool's gold. I think the thing with Boston is they have those star players, uh-huh. but I don't think they're the most physical team. You know, they've, they've sacrificed a lot on the back end recently. You know, I'm too
2: grass. You know, I'm too <laughs> grass. Yeah,
0: they got the goalie thing too. And that last goal uh, that their goalie gave up was pretty brutal. But I think that could be quick because Marchand, if, if him and, and Passion are coming back from an injury, aren't carrying them. Uh-huh. I know McAvoy is really good, but outside of that, I don't know that I trust their defense. So that could be one that I think could be a quick one. Um, it's hard to pick quick ones. You know, I think about it it's like, hmm, yeah, I could see every team. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it could Toronto could be a quick one too. <laughs> and I would also say that for sneaky long ones, Rangers pence could go all the way. Mm-hmm. And uh, I would also say Blues Wild Wild bounce back. We can get just the just the bloodbath in that <laughs> one. So I just want more Game Sevens. That's yeah. what I want. Swanee, <laughs> um, pleasure chatting hockey with you. Um, I had a, I had a, a couple other things, or one other thing for you, and that's just Raiders draft where are
2: we at well they they didn't pick to the third round so you know a lot of blue collar players the offensive line defensive yeah. line, and i'm not bad with that and a mm. couple of running backs which you can get in the later rounds so yeah i can't be mad with them their first round pick basically was uh adams so yeah. <laughs> you hey, think, take a look at it that way what a bloodbath <laughs> of a
0: division that's gonna be
2: oh my god that is gonna be What a division.
0: Well, hey, last thing, too. uh, I enjoyed talking hockey with you. I thought playoff hockey, Craig Swanson, when I was watching Penguins Rangers overtime, and that Penns defenseman, Reno, just completely sold out. Blocked a one-timer from Panera right in his back. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, no other time of year would you be doing this. (laughs) Craig Swanson, thanks for joining the show. Thank you. That's it for today's show. Big thanks as always to Craig Swanson and Matt Wittenberg. Thanks to Tim Adams for supplying the music and Brian Nelson for supplying the artwork that you see on the podcast, which can be found on SoundCloud iTunes and Google play Just search money. Mitch effect. It'll pop right up. You can check out the money. Mitch effect Facebook page for some exclusive content there as well as follow me on Twitter at money. Mitch M two We will be back next week to talk hockey, basketball, some baseball, Got some uh, Kentucky Derby action and the big fight cards coming up as well. We're going to recap UFC's card with Gaethje and Oliveira at the top and talk a little Canelo next week. See if he, as expected, defends his belt. This is just the best time in the world. Can you tell I'm excited? Because I really very much am. For Matt Wittenberg and Craig Swanson, I'm Mitch Michaels. This was the Money Mitch Effect. Thank you for listening and keep enjoying sports.